Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is Professor Liesel van Dijk, who is the Executive Dean of the Faculty of Engineering at Northwest University. If I can start this conversation with a very powerful vision of the faculty, whose vision is to change the world for the better. I think that's such a strong statement. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for the show. I'm looking forward to to participate and and, um, have a nice chat with you this morning. Prof Van Dijk, in your career, you've progressively risen through the ranks in the engineering faculty at Northwest University. Can you walk us through some of your milestones in this journey to the point that you're at today? Yes, it's a journey is a very good word. So let, let me start. Let me start very early. So let me start by when I was a little girl. Um, I, I was always um, intrigued by the games that the, the boys play. I always like to see the the things that they structure and come up with and design and then experiment with and then break and then learn from that. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember even in my, my um, primary nursery school reports, the teacher always said, I like to play the, the, the games, the games that the boys play. And I, in hindsight, I realized, I realized it was, it was interest in, in solving problems and understanding how things are fit together. Um, I also remember that uh, if we play games like um, Hospital Hospital, um, people would have thought, oh, she she plays Hospital Hospital, she might like to become a nurse or even a doctor. But they didn't realize I wasn't interested in healing the, the people per se. I was interested in the in the bed utilization. I was interested in the scheduling of the operations. I was interested in how the processes flow, now the systems can be optimized. Um, and in hindsight, I realized that it was only when I started later on a pursuing a career in industrial engineering that I that I realized that is what I wanted to do all the way along. Um, it was actually my father who, who saw it for the first time. He, he was the person who, in my grade 11 year, um, told me, um, he always called me Dochterki. He said, Dochterki, I, I, I can see um, that the, the, the things you're doing, the things you're la- liking, actually aligns well with oh. this career that I, I have read about, which is industrial engineering. And it was then that I, I started to, to talk to people, and I never doubted that as a girl, I can pursue that career because it was my father that that motivated me to do it. So, so I'm very, very fortunate that I started my first studies in industrial engineering, which is the career, the profession that I'm still doing. Um, um, so it, I started studying that career. And when I started out, of course, I even didn't imagine that I will end up in a management position in university. That's that's not why I, I, I studied industrial engineering. It's because I love solving problems and I um, love making things working better. Um, so I, I studied industrial engineering and I enjoyed every moment. And I, um, uh, at the end of my undergraduate studies, got the opportunity to do start with postgraduate studies and then my my career in higher education just took off. Um, at some stage, uh, I worked at the university of at a university, not in a academic uh, capacity, but in a systems systems engineering capacity. That was very nice. Also, 
stepping out of academia and and be actively part in in um, designing solutions, solving problems, um, rolling out processes. Um, and it was also just after that time period that I uh, registered as professional engineer. So it's nice for me to be both active in the academia but also in the in the industry. Um, I can I can also share with you that. Um, Interestingly, I'm still doing industrial engineering as an executive dean, because as an executive dean, you work with complex problems, complex systems, comprising of people and processes and and um, decisions. Um, so actually, I'm still practicing industrial engineering, even if uh, even though in a in a in a management um, uh, role. Yeah. So so how did I get in this management role? Um, I I progressed academically. I, I liked learning more and I uh, uh, started lecturing and I loved that. Um, uh, that that's, that's really uh, so fulfilling to plow back into other people's lives. And and then the opportunities came up. So, so I think maybe also as, as a lesson to share, one should plan and one should prepare and one should do everything as best as possible, but you don't always know what opportunities will come along and you must keep your eyes and, and ears open and you you must be receptive for that and you must take the chance even even though you may feel okay I'm, it was not entirely entirely the time that I thought of and yeah and and it's it's so it's simply a case of starting off having people encouraging me in the right way taking that ad advice enjoying what I'm doing as a consequence really working hard in it getting opportunities along the way, taking the opportunities, and again, had people supporting me in a way going mm. ahead. Thanks for sharing your story and especially the role of your dad as being the parental figure and nurturer. Because often I think as young people, yes, you've got a skill set. Yes, you like certain things, but you don't necessarily know how to apply them and pursue a, a direction, but having an adult or a, a guardian in your life who can see where those dots could possibly connect is so important to, to steer the direction. I can maybe also add that so my, 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 my father was one person in my life as a young girl. And then later on in my career, when I, when I progressed and when I had to make decisions again, it was my husband. So again, it was a male figure in my, in my life that that believed in me and knew things about myself, which I didn't even know myself, but but showed it to me and encouraged me to pursue pursue it further. Having a, a champion in your corner is, uh, is is so important. The university itself has a, a really robust research output, and when I was reading through your twenty twenty two year in review. One of the highlights that I noted was winning the Structural Design Award in the Sassel Solar Challenge for your solar car. And obviously, with the issues and the challenges we have with load shedding and ESCOM, that solar is such an important uh, opportunity for us to have a, uh, a sustainable flow of energy and just seems that we, we should be taking on, uh, taking on this energy source more vigorously than we actually do. Can you tell us about your solar car, and share a few other success stories. Thank you so much. Yes, the solar car is a, is a beautiful project in the sense that it integrates 
so much of of our faculty of what we are doing and and what we are we, what we are standing for. So, so first of all, in terms of the technology that's in that in that project, um, you, yes, of course, the solar, the the energy, the energy capturing and the transmission into batteries and and the trans transition of that energy into the into the mechanics of the solar car. That is that's all uh, the, the mechanical engineering, the technical expertise that we have but it also um you also need to understand the integration you need to um have excellent sensors our electric electronic engineers are involved there to make sure that we get um, monitoring information all of the time our industrial engineers were very much in, involved um behind the scenes writing algorithms so that we can make decisions about how many laps still to go? Um, how long to charge the battery? Using data like weather patterns, using past data, using the data of the of the monitoring system. So, so it's the mechanical engineers, it's the industrial engineers, it's the chemical engineers, it's the battery technologies, the electrical electronic engineers, the computer engineers. So it's a beautiful integrated project, really showcasing that, that what you can achieve if you work together. That's the one side in terms of technology. But what's also nice about this project is the project management, the involvement of the students, the involvement of the community, uh, the, the planning that goes behind that, the logistics of, 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 of doing the race, the training of people, this teamwork that's, that's behind that. So, so when I, when I talk about our solar car project, it's really, um, talking about a integrated, um, solution driven approach, but with the heart of, of changing the world for the better. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's what I can say about the solar car. And I will gladly elaborate of some, on some other energy projects um, that, that we have. So we, our faculty is quite strong in, in energy, in energy solutions. Um, the solar car is one example that we, that's very easy to showcase, but many things that you don't see is we are one of the very, very few um, universities um, in the in the southern Africa that have a nuclear engineering program, and that's to that's not to build nuclear bombs. That's to generate nuclear energy as a one of the clean energy sources. Um, we also have the flagship program in hydrogen energy, HISA, which is um, uh, they, they, they a few of those um, centers in South Africa, but the main hub is in in at the Northwest Province. So you will find um, again cutting edge research in terms of hydrogen energy, um, and then again in terms of integration it's 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 very well enough to have this energy source and that energy source but the the solution the sustainable solution is if it can be integrated and if you can have smart grids again they, the electrical electronic engineers are very um instrumental um so um we have quite a few energy solutions but again the integration thereof is what makes it what makes it beautiful we also have our center for for an excellence in carbon-based fuels. Now, carbon-based fuels is becoming a little bit of a, um, a I want to say almost a swear word. You, 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 we are everywhere. We are encouraged to move away from carbon-based fuels. But what we are doing is we recognize that we won't be able to move away from carbon-based fuels soon. So we need to do it in a responsible way. So. 
in, in that sense, uh, a lot of research, a lot of work is done in terms of emissions control, in terms of green coal, um, in terms of um, how to uh, keep on utilizing this resource, but in the most responsible and sustainable way while transitioning to other resource, other, other energy um, sources. The work of the faculty sounds incredibly innovating, sustainable, stimulating, and practical. It's it's about looking at the world's problems and being able to solve them. And tapping into that view of, of problem solving, we see that the demand for people studying STEM subjects is growing. Engineering's traditionally been seen as a male-dominated field, as a woman in engineering who is really developing the pipeline of future engineers, what do you think needs to be done to help encourage more girls and women to participate in STEM subjects and get that ticket to jobs of the future? Yeah, so I, I, when you, I, started, I started our discussion when you asked my, about my journey. I started by... by uh, my journey starting as a young girl and that is that is where we should start is is the, the message that's put through to to young girls as as early as when they play as early as when in, in nursery school or in primary school they get assignments um as early as when uh, storybooks are written and the main character uh, is decided upon uh, why should the engineer be male why can't the engineer be female um and then further on us was in the field to to be prominent to show to to be who we are um i also don't want to be a woman in engineering i'm an engineer who's also a woman and and showing that to the girls um so so role models is very important and this this uh, program that you have the series that you have is is, is really very instrumental also in, in accomplishing that um it's also it's also very useful. It's uh, we can see the effect also of that that we get also from industry very targeted programs, financial support. It is true there is bursary opportunities for for girls um, studying STEM subjects, which which is good. And we work with industry and with with the bursaries to make sure that the placements can be done well enough, also to encourage them in in that way. And and then once they've started the studies. Um, it's it's important that um, we are, once they graduated, once girls graduate, once women have graduated and have their degrees, that they also have role models and um, and be steered in in the right directions in terms of their career. Does the university have any outreach programs? And part of the reason that I ask this is sometimes we simply just don't know what the opportunities are. That, that are available. And when you're exposed to things, it, it stimulates your thinking and you, you see that there's uh, possibilities that you were completely unaware of. So I'm just curious on, on what the university does. Our, our university has a quite outreach quite a few outreach programs and then our faculty specifically I will I will share a few uh, we have a program we call it the Ekateling program which is about engaging with school children uh, it's not only gender based it's, it's all school children who is in, in, in um, at schools who do not have a, a very well functioning maths and science and and um, teaching processes uh, we identify the 
high potential um, learners and have additional programs, additional support for them so that they can can be um, can be supported and can be grown um, at, at the young age. Uh, our faculty specifically also have a similar program like that. That program is called the Excel program. It's focused at learners who came from schools where they did do math and science, but again, didn't have the opportunity to really excel in math and science. So we have a program in which we allow them and support them to redo their maths, their, their matric year, so that they can, they can really get that math and science um, foundation that they will need. Um, in terms of exposing girls to role models, we have a program which we called Femgineering. Um, and um, it's a program in which annually, and, and I must also admit, we get or, or recognize that we get sponsorships from the theater, the manufacturing engineering theater. So it's a, it's a combined program that we have, a collaboration. And um, we bring the girls to our university. We let them spend a, a day with our, uh, our, our female uh, students, with our female staff. We bring in engineers from industry uh, and we really expose them to, to female role models. And that's, that's really a very successful program. Then there's a program that our faculty is doing in collaboration with our university business school. It's called Innovate Her. Innovator with the her in 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 in, in capital letters, um, and it's a program in which my colleague from the business school um, take uh, the school teams of, of of school children, and it, it's not only it's not only girls. The teams are comprised of a combination, but it's focused on encouraging the the girls. There's a certain ratio to be to be adhered to, and they come up with a nice idea. They come into the program with a nice idea or just just a problem that they want to be solved, and they're taken systematically and coached in problem solving, in innovation, and when they end out with that program, they actually have a solvable and a business plan and and the whole whole way of taking this forward so um the winners then have an opportunity to take their program even further but even everyone everyone that participates get that that uh, um mentorship and that training um in terms of innovation that, that's a few that i can think of there's more but that that's a good sample of what what we are doing yeah, I love that of being able to take a nascent idea through to the implementation stage, having the competitiveness there as well, because then you've got your your peer, is this good? Is this good enough? Uh, and understanding that's that's how the real world operates. And and it's beautiful solutions that, that we get out of there and, and the, the, the type of solutions. And we also encourage them, the whole thing of changing the world for the better. It's solutions that should make a difference in community. Um, so so it's, it's really beautiful, the, the impact that comes from programs like, like those. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity. And today we're talking to Professor Liesel van Dijk, who is the Executive Dean at the Faculty of Engineering in Northwest University. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Prof van Dijk, in addition to wearing your engineering cap and being Executive Dean, this really flows into the, the notion of, of leadership. And over the years, we've interviewed many women across different sectors in leadership, be it business, be it academia or, or politics. And 
the challenge that I have is that despite strong women in high profile positions, women still seem to be underrepresented in corporate leadership roles. As a female leader, how do you think we can increase the throughput of more women into leadership opportunities? Well, we use the word pipeline quite often today. So, so we realize that that's the pipeline starting from, from school, getting girls to understand that they must pursue the career and, and then take it further. So, so I think the first thing is to, to really keep on strengthening the pipeline. Um, uh, so that, so that at the end of the pipeline, we get these leaders. Um, I also realize that very often it's, 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 it's a fact that, um, the roles in, in, um, once you have families, there's still very strong roles in terms of who should take what role up. And I, I also make mention before of the fact that if, if it wasn't, wasn't for my, my husband that realized that they need, we, we're not in a traditional role set up anymore, then I may have ended up not, not in a management position. So, so I think it's, it's even more important to, to change the mindsets of, of not the, the women who's, who's ready for those positions, but the men around them. Um, and, and also to adopt and adjust the workplace to allow flexible work arrangements. And I must say, post pandemic, it's an interesting, uh, stage in in world history that we're at the moment it's interesting to to um witness the change in how um how the workplace is is rolling out and and how it influenced the way in which access is granted to to people from from all, all different people who different previously weren't part of the of of the workplace it also brings strains it also brings the the fact that there's not a very clear line between your workplace and your and your house your 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 personal space that also makes it a, a challenging okay so the the short answer to your to your question is it, it's a journey it's it's a journey starting with strengthening the pipeline it's it's a journey with um gradually changing mindsets in terms of roles and it's a journey of embracing the fact that we have changed in the workplace at the moment and 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 molding this flexible situation that we have at the moment to make the workplace uh, accommodative for for women for any anyone else who have not been previously been possible to participate Tapping into the idea of life post the pandemic and embracing new ways of working rather than reverting to, to old styles, what are some of the leadership strategies that you found to be most effective in your environment? Okay, so I, th- I, th- I, I, I always believe in output-driven management. I, we, I always say we've been and we still are an output-driven organization. So, so the, the idea is not to, to manage people to, to be at a certain place and do certain things, but to provide them with a vision, to know them where we are going, um, and, and to make sure that you, almost like a gardener, that you plant the right plants at the right place, that you, you put the, the right person in the right place, that, that he or she will naturally move towards that, that vision. So that you don't, we talk about post-pandemic workplace situation that you don't need to place in rules or, or frameworks or boundaries, but you, you, everyone can do it in the way that they, they know that they will um, 
that they will um, contribute to the vision, whilst it's also aligned with their own personal style, their own personal um, growth plan. Um, I also know, I must also say, people must not underestimate the importance of engaging with people. Uh, so that's something we should, as managers, actively work on to make sure in this post-pandemic workplace that we, we create opportunities in which people engage, that even though there's a hybrid um, work um, arrangement, that, that there's, there's purposefully um, opportunities to engage with, with colleagues. Um, I try to avoid writing less emails and making more phone calls. Um, we, 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 our meetings is important. Our meetings must be done in a way that it encourages engagement and not just, just the share of information. And sometimes what I found in, in meetings and, and committees that often it's it's the quiet voices that have got value but need to be brought out and encouraged. And and if those voices are, aren't there with any bodies, you can't read the body language and you can't bring those voices in. So you, you need you need the people also together. You need purposeful ways of, of engaging people indeed. One thing I wanted to ask you, with the institution itself, you know, I think that universities are amazing places. They, they've got heritage, but they're also really enduring that once we move on, the institution is still going to be there and there's going to be a, a successive wave of, of new bodies in place. What are some of your views and strategies and goals for the institution and, and specifically the Faculty of Engineering? Yeah, so um, just, just latching upon uh, universities that's, that's, that's enduring, it's, it's one of the oldest institutions, type of institutions in the, in the world. If you realize universities existed during the medieval time period. So it's really interesting to realize it's still there, but it, we need to think of, of continuous renewal. Um, and and also uh, interesting. I've I've just started my second term, my my second five year term. So I always were able to say, okay, I'm working on um, correcting others' mistakes. Now I'm just working on correcting my own mistakes. So um, so I think in terms of moving the the faculty ahead, I've learned a lot. Um, and we also went through an unusual time period in the past five years. Um, our, our not only our faculty but our university as a whole is in the process of, of realigning our um, vision and impact. And impact to society is, is playing a very prominent role in this. And this is exactly aligned with our, our faculty. So we, we did talk about it previously, examples and solar car and so on. But what's important for me is that what we do in our research, but also what we teach our, our students is done in a way that they are constantly aware about uh, where they're constantly aware of how what they're doing and what they're designing and how they're designing it impacts society in a sustainable way uh, we are um, have a, uh, we are in the pr process of establishing a postgraduate school in sustainable engineering um, pulling together what we're already doing but pulling it together in a way so that we in that school, can bring about programs and research that absolutely focused on, on sustainable engineering. So, so sustainable engineering, doing what we do anyway, but doing it in a sustainable way is, is my vision. 
That is a very powerful vision uh, to have and speaks to, to renewal and, again, this thread of innovation and, and systems. With our program, Womanity, Women in Unity, it's, it's really about celebrating women's achievements, but also acknowledging the fact that the gains that we've had, there's also been a certain amount of, of struggle to, to get to this point. And you mentioned earlier, changing male mindsets is, is one of the areas that we, we have to tackle because the reality is that the world and the, let's say the world of work was really structured around man's hours. It wasn't structured around women's hours. So what I wanted to ask you is if you could share a couple of obstacles that you may have encountered in your career and how you overcame them as a means of uh, lessons to younger woman that may experience a similar situation? I can, maybe I can just first start. I, I, I'm definitely going to talk about obstacles, but I, I would also like to start by saying that there's also a lot of opportunities. So, 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 so there's things in your way and you must ask yourself, is it an obstacle or is it an opportunity? And it's often more easy to grab an opportunity and make the best of it than, than trying to, to, to get around an obstacle. Um, but I, I, I think the obstacles in, in our way, um, aren't always so clear. So, so but the, the obstacles that I were, that I had in in my career wasn't uh, you can't go here because you're a woman. It was things that at first I didn't realize. It was it was less tangible. It was preconceptions. I, for example, the, the conception of oh you are here because you're a woman. You were you were promoted or you were put in this management position because you're a woman. I had to work extra hard to to show that I'm in this position because I'm the right person to to, to do this. So the fact that these opportunities also change make, make perceptions that okay, you're there for 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 the for gender reasons and not for the reason that you're the right person. But I again I must say it's 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 not everyone that has those perceptions but it took me time to realize that those perceptions exist. Um, I also think we must acknowledge that uh, there's certain things, certain ways in which uh, women manage typically, and I'm, I'm stereotyping now, which is which is typical uh, typical to women. Um, so what I've, what I've noticed for myself at some stage is when I write an email, um, I may phrase it differently as some of my counter um, parts. I I put in the word please and will you and will you do that and I will appreciate so much if you do it. And I, I noticed it. It was I, I didn't realize it before, but it was a fact. If I read my emails and I read my read my colleagues' emails, it was much more trying to encourage in, in, in inclusive than instructing and I, I'm I'm not sure if it's a personality thing or if it's a gender thing but I also know and you can read literature about it that there is a, a, a female way of a, a female vocabulary and a male vocabulary and and both genders can use it but but I had to deliberately ask myself but I'm using this as a certain way of of giving an, an instruction Without without um, defining my personality, I needed to 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 make sure that I put it in a register that is appropriate for that for that. So it's it's small things, things that I have not um, thought of and I have not seen once I'm in the in the position. But being being mindful of the fact that people are different and and 
understanding yourself um in, in, that's the that's the key of 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 getting over stumbling blocks understanding yourself and understanding how it influences uh, people's reaction to you that's such an important perspective self reflection self awareness and knowing how in a way how you influ- through your actions how you can influence others as we come towards the the latter part of of the show, um, one question that I ask all my guests is about some of the factors that they feel have contributed to their success. Some people speak about faith, uh, a particular person, uh, values. Can you share a few of the the key elements that have, you feel have contributed to you to your success? Well, I already already mentioned people along my way. Uh, I, I mentioned a few, but there's many others, uh, um, supervisors, promoters, uh, colleagues, um, friends. So, so the people along your way, you must know the people next to you or the people that knows you be, know, know you best. You must, you must open your ears for that. I also believe I have a, call, a calling for, for the position I'm in. When I, when I had to decide whether I should a, a, apply for this, I had very specific, um, uh, um, clear direction that this is what I should pursue and, and the, the Bible in Esther, uh, a message was given to, to Esther um, that she must become queen during that time period and the words what, that was given to her was you're here for a time like this and those words for a time like this is is words that I keep with myself and I, I even have it uh, near in my in my office to always remind myself that we are we are experiencing different types of uh, different times and that was even pre-pandemic um and during the pandemic I always reminded myself we are going through difficult times but I'm placed here for this time and and now again we're going through through challenging other types of challenging times, but I'm placed here for this this specific time. And, and that's why I can be myself for this specific time. That's a really powerful phrase. You're here for a time like this. Like this. Whatever that time like this can be. It was a completely different time when it was what the message was given to Esther, but we also living in, in interesting mm-hmm. times now. Yeah, it, it speaks to purpose and it speaks to presence. What would you say has been one of your greatest lessons? I, I'm now starting to repeat myself, but by my, but let me then repeat in terms of what the, the greatest lesson is to to be yourself, to know yourself, to keep on learning about yourself. Um, that that was my greatest lesson. And lastly, as we close out today's conversation in commemoration of Youth Month, could you share a few words of inspiration or motivation that you'd like to pass on to girls and women in Africa who are listening to us? So if you think of the youth, you think of the future. Um, And if we think of our future, we know there's a lot of challenges. Um, For young girls, I want to say, you are going to be part of the solution. You can be part of the solution. You as, as girls will have the um, natural inclina- inclination to understand where and how change should happen. And you have the ability to, to pursue that. If you at all are intrigued by maths and science and you like to solve problems in, in that way, please consider and pursue a career in, in engineering, in science and, and, you will be able to use that 
ability, those skills of you to change the world for the better. That is such a powerful message. And I love this idea of being part of the solution rather than pointing fingers at problems and challenges. We each have our own responsibilities to to solve and be, be part of the solution. So thanks very much for joining us. Thank you so much. And thank you for for providing a platform in which we can share um, the way in which we contribute to, to the world. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and we have been talking to Professor Liesl van Dijk, who is the Executive Dean of the Faculty of Engineering at Northwest University.